Failure at 40. Failure at 40. Can you still be fulfilled at 40 without the partner, without the children, the career, or the beautiful home, all in the picture? Failure at 40 interviews, debates, and discusses the reality of turning 40. Failure at 40 challenges the notion of failure and redefines what success looks like to you. Who says if you haven't reached all of your goals by 40 that you are not a success? Failure at 40 interviews, debates and discusses the reality of turning 40 in modern Britain. Welcome to Failure at 40. Welcome to the season two finale of Failure at 40. I'm Shelley, the life coach. And I'm Winnie, the producer. So Winnie... What a great season we've just had. Yeah, some really great guests. I know. Um, I thought season one was the top of the iceberg, but clearly season two has um, come to do exactly the same thing, I think. Yeah, lots more insight, lots more understanding of, of where people are in their lives at 40 um, and just some really interesting stories. So I've had a good time this season. I found there were so many gems, so much honesty from people, insightfulness and, and really being happy to talk about what's happened within their lives. Yeah, getting like a new perspective on, on how you might view your own situation in 40 because we've just had so many diverse stories of people who are in different places and going through their different scenarios in different ways. So it's been helpful, very helpful. Absolutely. I mean, I definitely found in particular, if we get the ball rolling with Fitz, the first episode for season two, Fitz said a lot, a lot of things that resonated with me just in my own life and, and kind of how I kind of see my future and the possibilities and potentials that I'd want for myself. I found his energy really, really empowering and, and positive. He spoke about, you know, the journey being hard, kind of looking at his pay pack one day and thinking, oh my gosh, in 10 years, I've only amassed 700 pounds. That's how much my money's gone up by in those 10 years that I've been working. Yeah, crazy, right? Right? And then having to sit back and reflect and think to himself, well, actually, is, is this worth it? Is, is this worth my time? What am I working for? And really having to put an end goal on, on what he's working towards and his vision. And I wonder if enough of us do that. You know, are we working just to pay this month's bill? You know, are, or are we working with a goal to not work or go to have that house or go to put your children through school you know are, are we just working just to fuel the economy and I think more people should take into consideration how they're using their life to fuel the, the economy as it were yeah yeah he, he, he was quite good where he, he I guess got the um, reminder when he looked at his pay packet but not I don't think many of us step back and do that we actually do the math and go oh my gosh in the last 10 years I haven't actually made any extra money that's that's not I, I guess in a lot of cases like this time in the world you're just happy to have a job right so you're not really thinking about how much you're being paid but when you do step back and do those calculations it's it's like you've been having a pay cut really <laughs> it's so true and, and I guess also um, when I was thinking just about the way, you know, we think about things in terms of how much it costs us in terms of finance, but really how much does it cost us in terms of time? And I think a lot of people don't really see time as just money, but also, you know, time that you're losing, that you're giving away. You know, yeah. you, buy, yeah. you buy a car and the car says it's going to gonna take you five years to pay for it. That's time. You're paying in time, you know. Um, if you want to leave that job in a year or so, you can't leave it and have financial freedom. You've got to stay there because you've already allocated time, be it money, to paying for this this uh, vehicle, as it were. 
Um, I think if more of us thought about how valuable time is and, you know, we never know if tomorrow's promised, but yet we all give it away or make lots of um, lots of assurances with that time. One, one, of, one of the things I found most useful or valuable even with Pitts' talk was that he gave some great advice for anyone who looks back and thinks, oh, I haven't achieved anything at 40. Because he, he was really good at articulating how, even if you don't think you've achieved anything, to look back and compare yourself to where you were 10 years ago to now and, and you will see changes and you will see improvements just by nature of how we evolve as human beings and just to appreciate the impact that you you might have had on other people even if you feel like you haven't got marked changes in your own life you undoubtedly would have had some changes on the people around you and had an effect on on your family and friends and and you might not even be aware of and, and how important that stuff is too and he talked about like if you do feel like that and that is the case you should just keep on trying like as long as you're trying that's that's the best you can do and just keep trying which i like if you've set some things up for yourself as long as you're trying then and that is all that matters is when you stop trying and say then, you know, we might as well be dead then, isn't it? If we stop trying, we're not here. I agree with you wholeheartedly there, Winnie. Um, I like the fact that he was able to reflect on how things have changed between, let's say, Caribbean and Africans from when he was growing up to what it was like now and likening that to the way that life can change. You know, what might have been one thing 10, 20 years ago can be very, very different in terms of today or tomorrow. Us having to evolve, you know, our, our ways of thinking and not allowing society to have us stuck in, in what it's perpetuating for us, but, you know, continuing to kind of live and see how we want to see things, you know, be the change you want to see. Failure at 40. That leads us on to, to Simone, Simone Reeds. Simone was number two. Simone was great. Wasn't she? Just a, a real breath of fresh air. Yeah, and she just felt like, I, I heard so much from Simone that I hear from my girls. It, it felt like I was having a conversation with someone I knew really well, like completely related to her journey, how she felt about where she was at 40. Um, and so many women in their early 40s do, especially if you're not married, you don't have kids, um, and you reflect and look back at like that panic that you have over the end of your 30s when you're like, oh my God, it should have happened by now. Why hasn't it happened? What can I do to make it happen? Um, but being able to hear her talk about how she got over to the other side and now she's at peace with it and and I guess in reflection, happy about where she is and, and still open to being able to change the situation should she want to with things like adoption um, and stuff like that. So that that was really nice to hear because I more than often hear people who are still on the other side, not quite where Simone has got to. And, and I really hope that her, her episode will help people still in that mindset to, to switch and, and find some positives in it. It most definitely will. I think we've had quite a lot of response in terms of Simone's uh, story about how much it's resonated with people. Alongside wanting her own changes and wanting things for herself, she talks a lot about wanting to help other people, um, being there for other people and being quite selfless in lots of ways. And I think it can be easy to almost lose your own direction and your own needs and wants because you're spending so much time trying to help other people achieve theirs as well. I thought it was quite beautiful about Simone's uh, story, but also when she was just kind of reflecting back on the things that she might have wanted a little bit more in life around enjoying the moment and just appreciating and being present to enjoy some of the good things and not letting life just 
move past her you know something has happened to you and yeah for a moment it's great you're enjoying it and then it's tomorrow and you're on to the next thing or you know you're looking at your next want or your next goal without really being mindful about how happy that that moment's really made you I think I would have liked, would like to tell myself to really enjoy some of the moments in my life a lot more really appreciate them more rather than just let these things pass by through my life and not really realize that actually no you did some good work there or you did something really good there and really appreciate that I think a lot of things kind of just happened to me and I let them kind of roll by where actually I should have grabbed them and said actually no this was a good thing that happened you know this is a good thing that worked with me I wish I was more present yeah a nice reminder to say live in the moment live in the moment yes definitely Failure at 40. And then NSJ swooped in like a breeze. She, she swooped in with all this energy. I found NSJ just to be beautiful, fresh, just willing to talk honestly about absolutely everything. She held nothing back, I felt. NSJ was one of my favourites, actually. I, um, yeah, her, her energy is really infectious. But I, I love that she doesn't have a plan. Unlike a lot of us, she never did have a plan. She kind of lives life by going through the flow of, of how she feels and what feels good in that time in her life. And then looking at success as reflecting on that and looking back at what, what she got from it rather than looking at success as a, a destination. She's mastered the art of success being a journey, which is so difficult for so many of us to do because we have ambition plans and you just go, oh, I've got to hit that, I've got to hit that. But you forget about how important getting there and, and what you experience on the way there is um, to you and, and as a person and your evolution. So big up NSJ for that. I live my life from one moment to another. I don't, I might have a plan that I'm going to do A and end up doing B and B works out much better for me. So I, I don't necessarily, I don't plan too much. I just go with the flow and wherever life floats, like takes me, I'm happy to go there. But one of the main things that struck me about NSJ is how we were told as kids what a disaster it would be if we got pregnant and (laughs) and how our life would be over and that's the worst thing you can do. You just don't want to get pregnant. And so we all, at 15 or 16, while I was in school, walked around with the fear of getting pregnant if you were sexually active because that was the worst thing that was going to happen to you. It's crazy. It's like they use that as like, they use that as contraception, that fear. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you look at that guy over there, you see him, you'll be pregnant tomorrow. I'm just letting you know that right now. You'll be like, really? Oh. Yeah. 25 years later, to speak to someone like NSJ, who we were all warned about, and seeing her thriving and yes. uh, living a successful life, with her daughter, who's also a success, and she's now a grandmother, and her daughter's been able to go to university, as well as she being able to continue her education, it just makes me feel like we were all tricked. I mean, yes. obviously, having a child at a young age isn't ideal, but it's not the end of the world like we were sold it was, and you can still turn your life around and still make something of yourself and do great things. And I just hate that so many people back then, or even maybe still now, are kind of put in a mindset where it's the end of their life and because of that they might not strive and they might not have goals and ambitions because someone's told them that it's, it's over so it's it, it, a real inspiration for the kids who got pregnant early 
and all the other stigmas, I guess, that we are told about dictated to, whether it's family or society, that now have just really pitted into the wind, like, you know, um, interracial marriages, um, couples, uh, gays and lesbians of, of those sorts. We've been told so many things in days gone by, which now no longer stand the truth of that. And I think it's resort to be so careful what sort of information we, we try and give to our children because we believe it's for their betterment when actually it might not fully be true. Something that struck me with NHJ, which I kind of definitely reflected on in my own life, is when you share information with people you might trust about yourself because you're sharing information, but in lots of ways it's used against you. She spoke about a partner who she discussed some of her upbringing and some of the challenges in her parents' uh, relationship. And so that partner then went on to want to treat her poorly in certain situations. And she, he then told her, well, you've witnessed that growing up. So what's your problem now? And she went on just to kind of say, when you're sharing you know, information with people and you just want to share a bit of yourself and, and your life, and it can often be used um, against you negatively. The more you tell people about you and sometimes the kind of situations that you've been through, uh, and you might just be talking. You're not saying that you're still in that place, you know. You're just saying, look, this is what I've experienced. This is what I've been through. Um, yeah. And he just thought, well, because I've experienced that, that it was all right. Like, what's your problem? You just put up with it, isn't it? Like, yeah, that's you, what you're witnessing. You can often give but, people information they use against you at some point. Yeah, and that's um, exactly, that's what he did. Failure at 14. And next up, we have Valeria from Panama. Really enjoyed her podcast, really what were your thoughts on Valeria? It was great to have someone who wasn't from London for once. Most of the people we've spoken to on the podcast have been Londoners. So it was great yeah. to hear an inter- international perspective, if you like, on someone who's grown up um, in South America um, and understanding the influences of that culture on her. One of the great things about Valeria is that she was really aware of how her parents influenced her coming from the mental health family background that she had, so with her dad committing suicide and her brother being bipolar. You would have effect- expected that to have um, a major effect on other family members, but she seemed to take it in her stride and understood the work that needed to be done to help her figure out her place mentally in the world. And doing that, she's been able to carve out a nice, successful life for herself in the UK. Great hearing about how she's managed those issues in her family life and also how she's trying to help make sure that her daughter isn't affected by her own, I guess, issues that she's been able to resolve in therapy. So Valeria was was great advocate for therapy, I think. Absolutely. She also, I think, gave us some gems um, and coping mechanisms around how she kind of coped with um, negative self-talk that you might tell yourself. And she she said something that I found quite profound, which is um, you don't realise how detrimental it is to constantly negative talk yourself in your head all the time. And it stops you from doing things um, that you might want to do. Yeah. Um, I, I really found that as a, a really quite important bit to kind of reflect on, because I think a, a lot of us possibly do do that. And, um, and don't realise how much it can just really chip away at us um, in lots of different ways in, in whatever you might be doing. For instance, say you didn't get that job or say that guy or that girl dumped you or somebody doesn't appreciate you, you feel abandoned, maybe you don't have the money you want or you don't look the way you want and you continue to kind of attack yourself with those things. Um, it can really be detrimental to you now and later on and for those around you. So I um, really appreciate her sharing that with us. 
Because at one point you don't realize when it's to your detriment to have that constant negative talk in your head all the time. Uh, it, 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 it stops you from being what you can be because you're constantly second guessing yourself. You're constantly criticizing yourself. You never give yourself credit for anything. So, so not to beat ourselves up, I think was uh, the point there. Failure 40. And then we moved on to Rafat. Rafat was very deep. We veered off course on our <laughs> usual course. Massively. Massively. And he took us down the relationship route. Rafat came on and distracted the whole, the whole podcast. Right? <laughs> he flipped it. And, and I think he brought a lot of that masculine energy to the conversation as well. Yeah, which I don't think I'd heard before in everyone we've spoken to. I think he brought a different perspective on, on masculine energy and, and being 40, especially when he talked about responsibilities and expectations and then expectations as a partner. That was all really insightful. He was really honest and direct about that. I think sometimes men can kind of really shadow those conversations so that it doesn't become too challenging towards the opposite sex but he wasn't holding back he was really clear and honest about what's needed what's expected I think I think we need that yeah Rafat gave us a, a very interesting insight into dating at 40 as well um he made it he made a really good point about how I guess after all those years of perhaps being in and out of relationships or in a long-term relationship you become affected by them and you take the effects of those past relationships into your new one. You made a really interesting point about uh, how women react in new relationships as, as a result of that. If I want to get access to you, to your love, to whatever it is, I have to make sure that I'm jumping hoops and prove that I'm that person that's supposed to be there. Cool. But what you find is when you get there, finally, you've slayed the dragon, you've done whatever, you've got to the, um, the maiden, the maiden is broken. What's worse is the maiden doesn't even have the notion to reflect on the fact that she's broken. They rather, when you get there, they expect you to put up with their brokenness because she is, she's woman. Oh, I'm just here. Love me. But you're broken. Why did I slay the dragon for? And I really enjoyed that bit as well. And I really thought about that a little bit more about what kind of things us as women we bring into our relationships, but we're unwilling to dig deep on that. But we can definitely identify things in, in our partners. You know, like you, maybe you don't do this or you should do that. And, you know, what kind of man might do this or not do that? And you're kind of taking them through some of their, you know, what you might call some of their negative points. But you're unwilling to say, actually, I've also got this as a negative point. And I think it's quite easy to point the finger. I picked up something similar when I was looking, um, listening to the facts, just around um, having a level of respect. Women having a level of respect for their partners. And he was talking about sort of women sometimes being enabled to be disrespectful towards their partners or it being seen okay for them to kind of present in ways that are challenging. But for men, it's not. When it's men, it's seen as almost like an assault and an attack. But for, for women, it's just seen it's fine because they're being emotional. I've, I've seen relationships, it hasn't happened to me, but I've seen relationships where people will stand there and hold it for their kids. They'll stand and hold abuse that they don't deserve. But because a woman's in their feeling, they spit all types of venom at this person. Because, oh, she's in her feelings. You'll get people, circles, that will enable this kind of behavior. Oh, she's a woman. She's, you know, she's emotional. That's what happens. What happened to damn respect? What happened to you understanding that? You know what? 
as the father of my, of my child, I need to deal with you in a different way. The other thing I really appreciated with the facts conversation was our parents. Actually, I've never before that really considered how our parents might have reflected on failure at 40. I'm not even sure they even imagined that they had failed. A lot of our parents are immigrants who've come over to this country and literally came to find a better life. So however they did it, however they managed it, it was a success. I don't think they were sitting back and reflecting on like the things that we are all reflecting on today. I think the fact that they came here at all was a success. The fact that they set up families, partners, children, created homes was all successful to them at, at 40. I, I, and, I, and I wonder um, if we are sometimes being too harsh on ourselves with yes. all the expectations we have when actually our parents probably didn't even consider these things. They were just happy to have got the things that they had because they came with nothing. Totally. I think they did one better than maybe their parents. You know, they've, they've come over, they've raised families, they've got jobs, they've got homes that they own outright. And, and I guess for our generation or, the, our, you know, or our children's children, it's about them doing one step more than what we would have done potentially. But I think what, you found, what we find now is that a lot of us are not able to even achieve maybe as much as our parents, particularly like let's say house buying, you know, having the income that's relative, you know, to the, to the economy and things of that sort. I think uh, the times have changed so much and the gap with the has and the have nots has really stretched a lot. Like you've said, Charles, in the times that we are now, it's impossible for us to be able to compare because the economy isn't set up in the way it was back then. Wages aren't comparable to house deposits in the way that they were back then. And we, we just don't have the same lifestyles our parents did. So even the size of having children and the, the size of families, I think, has dwindled quite a lot. You know, where you might have had larger families, you're finding, you know, people are less likely to get married. Yes, they're still getting married, but not in the same numbers. You know, I, I bet you the divorce rate has, wow, shot up in comparison to what might have happened for our parents in their days. Yeah. Um, so there's just so much changes. The internet is a massive thing that is now rife, you know, and I think that's impacted so much things uh, positively and negatively. Failure at 40. And then we come on to the, um, the lovely Placida. The positive Positive Placida, yeah. I think that's a really, really good title to give her, actually. I learned so much from Placida, just how refined she was and just how much dignity shines out of her when she's dealing with challenging situations. She went through so much at work, how she was treated, how not just being a black woman, but a black woman with disabilities, how the, I want to say the establishment, as it were, um, it feels threatened or will attack you because of those things. If they can see anything that could be seen as, a, you know, a negative, they are going to look at it and pull it apart. And I think that's what they attempted to do to Placida. And she just stood her ground. You know, she was kind of saying, you know, just because I have this disability doesn't mean that I'm a quota per se, you know, but I'm able to execute my job because I'm good at my job. And I, and I, and I love the, the fierceness that came from somebody who potentially might have not thought had that strength. I came in with into junior management within the civil service. It was, she got it because she was disabled. Oh, it's the quota thing. I never ever thought that I would be a quota. I don't actually agree with quota to some extent for disability, but I do in a way. I just couldn't sort of like understand 
what happened in work and in that sort of in the civil service because I thought okay civil service will be like a good place to that will you know embrace all equalities fairness and so on and so forth and you know they wrote the policies didn't they and I think I can definitely identify as a black woman who lives and works in Britain that sometimes there is no reason other than just your color or your gender why people may not take to you in the way they need to because they feel threatened for so many different reasons. Sometimes they don't even have a reason, you know, other than they just don't want to like you. And and it's good to hear from others, their experiences and how they've navigated those experiences and survived them and gone on to do better. And Placid is one of them. Yeah, she she's not only gone on to do better, but she actually thrived in it. I mean, despite having gone through all those things, she has nothing but positivity and optimism about being 40 um just listen to this 40 is fabulous it isn't a failure it's nothing like that it's actually full of fortitude full of fortune full of everything that you could think of that is fabulous about it you know i i never considered looking at 40 as my ruby years and that's that's what i call it now my ruby years so ruby years Sparkle like my ruby is for the next. Sparkle. <laughs> oh, I love that. Um, a Dorothy, Dorothy, um, ruby shoes. Yeah. Failure at forty. So up next we had Loretto. Winnie Loretto uh, was a, a lady that had I'd been in hospital with. We both been in hospital at the same time. She was somebody that the consultants thought would be great to motivate me while I was there. Um, in my pregnancy, I found the conversation with Loretto very, very interesting. You know, she talks about journeying from South Africa um, with her mum after divorce. Her, you know, her mum had divorced her father. She's come over to the UK and has been brought up in a predominantly white environment and then decided I'm going to <laughs> I'm going to London because I want to find black people and black culture. And she moved to London and has just got such a positive and beautiful take on her experiences of her journey. One thing that I found really stood out for me about her was she speaks about when she got to 40, by the age of 40, both her parents had died and she was now an adult orphan is how she described herself. I think sometimes you, you read people in a incorrect manner or they read you. I feel like I've lost some friends and gained some friends. I've found friendship rather than a bad friendship. So I would say I, I look at things, I think, wow. Um, and she kind of talks about all these kind of other great things that have been happening in her life to lead up to actually then losing her parents and never really foreseeing that. And, and so quickly, their death was quite, quite quick um, and how it then impacted who she went on to be as well. So I guess one of the things that it makes me think about, I, I once listened to a documentary by KRS-One and he was talking about the trade-offs that you sometimes make in life for the things that you want sometimes you don't realize you might have to lose something to gain that trade-off yeah and he was kind of talking about you know like wanting a nice house but possibly maybe his mum may die you know or maybe and, and I mean as stark as that but just people not really understanding often that there are some very hard sacrifices that are made for some of the things that you you want so you strive for the things you want you get those things that you want and actually you lose something else that was also very important for you failure at 14. And yeah, and up next we have the men's group. So for, for our listeners, this is the first time you may be hearing of um, Stephen 
who is our our engineer, but also our creative brains in the outfit. So so welcome, Stephen. Hello, hello, our hello. Extraordinaire. Editor extraordinaire. Well said, Winnie. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that. Who <laughs> <laughs> keeps us all in check behind the scenes and keeps everything flowing and well-oiled, I must say. Thank you, Stephen. It was nice to come out from the shadows and put some of my views forward. Believe it or not, listeners, Stephen always has views. He just doesn't get to share them. So we just, <laughs> <In it>. <laughs> Stephen got I them just right. get told to shut up. And sit down, shut up, shut up. It was really enjoyable hosting the conversation with Rafat and Justin, and it was really good to touch base with two strong-minded men. And it was very positive having this conversation about what masculinity means today and how it affects us all. One thing I took from the conversation is that us as men are generally dealing with the same problems, but maybe with a slight difference. Going forward, I think it's very important that Men need to have a platform such as Fade Up 40 where they can express their views and have discussions such as this without any judgment or any criticism. Taking the opportunity to maybe step back, take a look at ourselves and ask the question, can we be better men? And I think it was important for us in that particular podcast to not have women or female feminine energy present and for it to be a, a safe, positive space for men to talk to men about their experiences of turning 40, not just about relationships per se, but fatherhood, masculinity, the expectations of them by society, you know, and some of the some of the stresses that are put upon them. And I think quite often we forget how much men, men of all backgrounds, all colours, are expected to do part of society. And when they don't do what they're expected to do, how that reflects on their relationships with partners, children, in every facet of their life. We just don't hear enough from men. I, I feel like it was really refreshing to hear these male voices speaking on something that we don't normally give them an opportunity to, to voice and, and be vocal about. So just to sit back and, and hear those opinions and, and positions on, on how life has affected them was really interesting. And isn't it amazing that we've, we've fought for women's rights for so many years to then get to a point where men are no longer heard? <laughs> it's almost crazy. You know, something about this society being unable to have a balanced, you know, voice for both men and women. At some point, someone seems to be the underdog in, in whatever way, because by no means should we be a, civil, a civilization that doesn't listen to its men, doesn't hear its children, doesn't hear its women. What, what is that about, I guess? I'm, I'm really grateful to the three men that, that, in, that joined us because I learned a lot in that hour from them. And I hope that we get to hear more, more male voices coming up in the future because I don't think men get that platform enough. Well, that's what I guess from that bit about just learning, that was one of the bits I think that stood out for me in the men's group conversation was about, you know, the, the ability to learn and refer was talking in particular about, you know, women and what are they able to do? It actually came off the back of um, a bed count, <laughs> a bed count conversation that Stephen just, and they were talking about, you know, do, you know, will you ask a woman or your partner, how many people have you slept with? <laughs> and it was just that, you know, me winning in the background going, <laughs> you know, and, and, and they were just going at it. And but it just really stood out to me that it's a question that was quite important to them to hear. And, and, they, and off the back of it, they were kind of saying, well, actually, 
women ask this question a lot. They want to know at the start of um, your relationship. So how many, how many partners have you had? Or, you know, how many relationships have you had? Um, and whether this was something that you needed to touch base on, was this a conversation that needed to be had for your relationship to be viable? And then that kind of trans- translated into, well, actually, I want to know the important questions. You know, what are you like when you get angry? How do, are you able to cook? What's your finance like? Are you good with money? Are you not? Do, those seem to be the questions that we should be asking and discussing. And if you're unable to do something, then talk to me and then maybe we can teach each other so you can learn. And I thought that was quite an important part. And then you do the maths because you're a mathematical bird and she told you she'd been with 50 dons. And then you realise that she's been with 40 guys in the last five years or whatever it is that are you like wholly comfortable with that you know questions are you know what it's calculations wait wait, wait wait yes that is a lot but I wouldn't be asking the question in the first place and yeah, ignorance ignorance is bliss <laughs> <It's> bliss yeah. <laughs> yeah if I don't know it won't bother me but the bottom line is the bottom line is we're talking about things that um, trouble women and doesn't trouble and don't trouble men we were, we're if a woman said that to me that Wait. would put me right off her. That's a red flag straight away. Listen, as far as I'm concerned, I want to know the I want to know the proper questions. Yeah, I want to know the proper questions. What are you like with finances? Yes. When you're mad, how do yes. you communicate? Yes. When um, what is it? Can you cook? Yes. I'm going to ask you if you can cook because you know what? I can throw down in the kitchen and when we have um, children, I want to make sure that you're able to do whatever you're doing. And guess what? Another question I'm going to ask you is how do you learn? Because if you can't cook, you can always learn. Something that really resonated with me is when Justin spoke about not growing up with a father figure. Okay, so for me, um, probably growing up for me was probably um, not having a dad around was interesting. Um, to say the least, <laughs> I'll, put it, I'll, I'll put it like that. The real challenge for me um, growing up was really understanding why this dude wasn't about really. You know, you'd have a little bit of wisdom in your life, you know, if you had a, a, a functional father um, that knows what he was doing. I also didn't grow up with a father figure, so I could totally relate to what he was saying. It was very interesting talking about how he felt growing up. The most positive thing we can take away from this is that Justin and myself made that decision to be better fathers than what we both had experienced. And that you've been able to find a positive in not having a father figure. Most yes. people would yeah. hold them back. That's, that's great that you guys can reflect on it in, in such a positive way. Yeah, it's all about growing and um, learning from your experiences. Failure 40. Up next, we have the women's group which was Charmaine, Jessica and NSJ. Really good combination of women. I think I led on that one. I found it to be very inspiring. There, it was, it was, there was so much jokes. Like I know we don't always have a lot of humour, but there was a lot of humour from start to finish. <laughs> right? And it just brought such a, a beautiful energy that you found that, you know, these three women who were just totally relating different in so many ways, but totally relating. I think what stood out for me, just to talk about what, are we needed to do as women for men. Sham spoke about it. it wasn't a responsibility for a woman to help a man find his place. You can have Ooh. conversations that work towards him working on himself as a couple, but ultimately it's not down to her to make sure he knows where he's at. Things have changed, but that's not a woman's responsibility to help you find your place. Do you know what I mean? Like that's your responsibility when you join uh, a, a woman and you decide that just like um, Jess was saying earlier 
you join, you sit down, you have conversations about what it is that you're looking for, what you're trying to achieve, where do you want to go? Those are the kind of conversations you have. That's where you're supposed to find your place. I thought that was such a powerful revelation to start with as well, just because it kind of just says, you know, all the onus is not about blaming the other person. You know, because you're not where you're at doesn't mean that it's, it's the woman's fault or the man's fault in the relationship. It's about you two working together in synergy. And, and I thought that was something it was definitely good to, to reflect on. So, yeah, so I really enjoyed it. I, I'm not sure what I think it was a, a great one to end with. And I think they did a fantastic job. And I, I'm looking forward to having the men and women back again to have more conversations. I think they're necessary and not just in terms of relationships, but in every facet of life. Just how we're all navigating this interesting decade of, of the 40s. Yeah, and with that, 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 is, that is the end of um, season two. I really enjoyed the groups. I think the groups were a really good add-on in terms of a change from season one. It just gave us, it lent us to have an ear to people in the same situation who could explain and just explore more together about just the journey of 40 more so. So I really enjoyed those groups and I think it'd be really good to see more of them going forward. Yeah, I think groups just give everyone else who's listening a chance to have questions put at them that we perhaps wouldn't have thought of. So it's, it's great to see the dynamic between the people in the groups bounce off each other and give us insight into stuff that we hadn't considered too. I've learned a lot from the group. So it's been great having other people take the questioning side of things. And what seems to have jumped out from our listeners is that it would be nice just to, I mean, lots of our listeners um, will make contact and ask for particular people to be invited on so they could hear more about their stories and their journeys. And these are everyday people to, you know, celebrities to just, you know, just having a bit more of um, variety of, of, of different people. But also, you know, I, some of our listeners have been asking to hear more from, from us talking about what's happening and the things that, you know, are going on in the world sometimes. So I think for season three, four, five and six, those things that are coming up, there's so much more that people can expect to see from Failure at 40. Yeah, and I unfortunately won't be part of the new season. This has been a great one, a great season for me to end on and I'm really sad that I'm not not sticking around for the others. But I'll definitely be listening. What are you going to do, Rini, and what's going to be happening with you? I, I, heard, I see that you've sipped that in really nicely there. So, <laughs> so listeners... Our lovely Winnie is leaving us at Failure at 40 for good reasons. So Winnie, if you could just tell us a little bit more I about mean, what you're doing. Te- technically, sure. I mean, it's not really a good reason, but we've been able to do this now. So <laughs> <laughs> technically, we've been able to the world. It's not a good reason. <laughs> I mean, it's not a good reason. Um, I'm, just, I'm just not there. Well, I guess, Winnie, one thing that um, I'd like to say to you is thank you so much for being, you know, an anchor and a champion of this whole movement and being part of it all the way through, being really helpful and motivating for myself. And just for you to know that the door's always open. We're hoping that you'll be staying in contact um, and doing lots of guest pieces with us and, you know, when you're you're home, doing more work with us. but just thank you um, from the bottom of my heart. And, and I guess you're one of the people that can really testify to, to failure, not being failure, but 40 being fabulous. Yeah. I, I, but more than anything, Shell, I'm glad we just got this bloody thing out there. <laughs> did it? Like, <laughs> I know, I know. For far too long. So I'm so glad that like, we're now sitting back and reflecting on season two. Like, yeah, right. like, we did it. So well done you for, for, for kicking this off and for carrying it on and, and, and keeping it 
growing and evolving and turning into something bigger and better than, than what we've had for the last two seasons. So good luck with the rest. I'll be Thank definitely you. your number one viewer listening, listening weekly or monthly. Um, and yeah, maybe I'll come back. So Thank you, Winnie. It's been an absolute pleasure. Stephen, please join me in saying goodbye to Winnie. Thank you very much, Winnie. You are going to be greatly missed. You know, all the jokes, all the outtakes. Yeah. <laughs> Are we going to start putting outtakes up? I think we're going to have to start putting the outtakes up. <laughs> One sticks out in my mind in particular, but I won't mention it this time. <laughs> failure at 40. Welcome to Failure at 40.